how's it going, everyone? I hope really well. Um, I'm really excited to bring you this episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we interview founders at the beginning stages of their companies and talk about what they plan to build and what their vision is. Today, we had an awesome conversation with Kashish Gupta, who is the CEO of Kerry. Kerry is a fantastic platform for traveling that lives all in Slack. Um, but in this conversation, you know, we talked about way more than just Kerry. We talked about Kerry. We talked about the business of trust. But then we went all the way from Libra to food tech to self-driving cars. We talk about it all. I think you're going to learn a lot in this episode, especially if you're into technology in the future, which a lot of you probably are. So with that, I'm super stoked to bring you this episode. Let's get into it. Run it. How's it going, Kashish? Hey, Matt. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing really well. I, I don't know. I just, it's a great day. It's a Friday. I'm feeling oh, yeah. energized. I'm ready to push through with an awesome podcast to finish out the week. Great. Me too. Excited to be on here. Yeah, 100%. I'm stoked to have you on too. So with that, let's just get straight into it. Can you tell everyone listening who may not be familiar with Carrie, uh, what is Carrie? Yeah, we book employee travel on Slack, which means that you message us on Slack and we take care of all your flights, hotels, and rental cars, all from the Slack ecosystem. So employees never have to leave um, the ecosystem of Slack to do any of their travel. We take care of expenses, we make sure payments happen, and that you get all the points. So it's really just like a one-stop shop for travel and you access it through Slack. All right. That is awesome. There might be a couple of people listening who aren't familiar with Slack is just in a one or two sentence uh, blurb, but can you just explain what Slack is? Yeah. Think of it as an internal messaging tool that companies use um, just to talk between different people on a team. And, and they have an ecosystem for apps that you can build on top of their messaging platform. So you can talk to us as if you were talking to another person on your team within your company. Awesome. I, as someone who uses Slack daily and someone who travels fairly often, I definitely see the application for this, and I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I, I'm curious, where did this, where, where did the inspiration for this, for this come from? Yeah, uh, it's kind of a long story. It really started backwards. It started with the fact that I book all my mom's travel. Um, she doesn't speak English, and she doesn't really use computer. And so I started thinking, like, why is it that she doesn't use a travel agent to book her travel instead of using me? And it came down to the fact that she doesn't want to pick up the phone. She doesn't trust the person on the other end and that the process of using a travel agent is pretty tedious. So then I started working backwards and thinking, hey, look, Siri would be a great place for people to book travel. But they can't do that right now because Apple is not building the infrastructure for this. And talking to people in the industry, I actually realized that Apple never will. Um, I guess this is public, so I'm going to be quoted on this, but Apple and Google actually won't build travel tools because they don't want to be responsible for the customer service that the travel agent is responsible for. And so that's where we come in. We actually think that we can be the go-to provider for travel on all ecosystems. And like, if you think about it right now, right, anyone that books travel might visit like five to 10 different websites when they're booking a trip. They might go to a couple for flights, a few for hotels. um, And by the end of it, they have 10, 15 tabs open on their computer. We imagined that there would be a one-stop place where you trust the prices you see, so you don't need to shop around, and you book everything in one place. So you're not entering information in multiple places. And that same one-stop shop does all your customer service, changes, cancellations, et cetera. 
and there's kind of your advocate to the airlines and hotels. That's Carrie. Carrie sounds awesome. <laughs> that is cool. I want to go a little deeper into the what, and then we'll go a little higher level into vision and cool. whatnot. So I am planning, or I'd like to go to Jason Calacanis's scale conference, you know, launch scale, awesome. which is in October, early October. And I have just, that just got on my radar and I decided I think I want to do that. So uh -huh. let's say I have Carrie installed in my Slack team. Uh, mm -hmm. Would I just, would I like at Carrie and it would, it would give me options for airlines, options for hotel. Like, like if I like actually explained to me as a potential user, like how could I yeah. benefit at, to travel to San Francisco, you know, for this conference when I don't have any details planned already? Yeah. So um, let's say your CFO buys Carrie and now it's installed in your Slack. You just message us like you would any other user. So you send us a direct message and they'll show you flight options and hotel options. Once you choose them, we already have your information in advance. So we'll be able to book them all under your name and build them to either your corporate credit card or your personal credit card, depending on which one you prefer. And so without leaving Slack, you're just seeing like the most relevant options to you. So uh, we, we would give you yeah. like the, the, the right flight options, not like the random ones on Frontier Airlines. And then book them on your behalf so you're able to kind of focus on your work and the travel is being booked asynchronously which means it's just being booked in the background and you don't have to worry about it i think that's fantastic i would, would love to be a user for this trip you know in san francisco um great yeah we're excited to have you do it yeah 100 yeah, so you know let's go a little higher level in in what kind of carry means you know, for the travel industry and ultimately yep. what opportunities does it unlock for the industry? Like, let's say, you know, Carrie is an early stage company. I guess my question is what, what does the future look like if it works and you go all the way? What's the future look like mm -hmm. with Carrie? Yeah, well, right now airlines are extremely fragmented and they all work on very different systems. Um, we imagine that one day you go to one place to book all your travel, even things like Ubers or Airbnbs, et cetera. And that anytime you need something, then you have a very close customer service experience where they know you and they know your habits and they can suggest the right things, right? And then what this really evolves into is trust, which is irreplaceable. So right now, when you go to Google Flights, you generally trust their rates are correct. Um, when you, but, but then sometimes you go to kayak.com or skyscanner.com and you see cheaper rates. We wanna create a marketplace where it's literally just always correct on prices. And you can always trust us to help you with any customer service tasks that you need. Um, and, and so like, basically like the same kind of trust that my mom has when she books travel through me, we want to have for all of our users when they talk to Carrie. That's fantastic. And, yeah, sorry. And what that means for like consumers is that they no longer have to be stressed about travel and they no longer have to worry about whether they're getting screwed by their airlines or hotels because they actually have a trustable source for their information. Yeah, that's definitely needed. There is, I would say, a pretty big lack of trust, you know, on the internet. I'm also in the business, you know, with my own company in establishing trust with, um, with companies and whatnot. So I'm kind of curious for you, what tactics or ways do you think about streamlining the process of building trust? And, and how do mm -hmm. you build trust with your users so you can do this at scale? Yeah, we've had um, several interactions where users told us afterwards that the reason they trusted us is because we told them that, hey, look, your hotel's actually cheaper on Hotel Tonight, and we'll book it for you on Hotel Tonight rather than booking it with us. 
So when you become an actually fair marketplace and the user realizes that you're not in it to make money off of them, but really just give them a good experience, um, that's when they start trusting you. Mm. The second one is when like we call the airlines for users um, and, and, and basically become their advocate to go help them get a flight change. Um, and, and I guess the last one is we started off like showing people Google flights screenshots and just like showing them screenshots of real websites that we were using. So then like there wasn't any sort of intransparency where it was like, oh, these guys are showing me rates that we like, don't see online. What is happening here? So, so it's really just like once people try it, um, after the first interaction, they start trusting us. But it does take that first customer inter interaction for us to build that trust. That's fascinating. I think different industries take different amounts of, of trust that needs to be built. You know, Uber mm -hmm. had to take a lot of trust because it's trusting, you know, your life in someone else's car. Same with Airbnb and this is a level as well. I'm curious, do you spend much time thinking about, um, like you're obviously spending most of your time or all of your time working on carry, but do you, do you know of any other industries where something like carry uh, can go in and, you know, and break up big tech or break up, you know, break up the companies that are not trusted with a trusted source? Like, have you seen any parallel opportunities with carry? And my follow on question to that is, do you see carry um, almost being more in the business of trust than in the business of, of travel? Yeah, I think, um, FinTech is one of those spaces where like traditionally banks have kind of ruled and credit card providers have kind of ruled. And now you have all these new companies spinning up that have like big underwriters and now they can provide people credit or they can provide people like a place to store their money. Um, especially for like audiences that previously didn't have access to those tools because they didn't have credit history, right? That is one where we see defragmentation, like especially with, uh, I, I don't like saying blockchain, but like, you know, the decentralized applications really sure. do allow for people to have more equal access. Um, other than that, can't really think of any. Um, and then yes, I think like with, with Carry, like we are in the end of the day in the business of selling, like basically like appealing to those people who prefer um, a service rather than a product. So right now people have a lot of different products they can use to buy travel, um, but they don't have a service where they just go to it and always get like what they need. Um, and so I think Carry is in the business of selling trust. And another way to kind of illustrate that is where we think we're going is that people should be able to book corporate travel on whatever website they're on. So essentially, like if you wanted to book a trip for work on Google Flights, you should be able to do it on Google Flights, but it all go through the corporate travel system. So that way your manager gets to see it and gets to expense it to the right places. Um, like we, we think like all these companies that are developing their own corporate travel portals are eventually going to be replaced because we, we can't have like a hundred different places for mind travel. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the kind of the best product and the best distribution wins in that case. So you mentioned, so let's, let's go a little away from carry and on, and more on just kind of your thoughts on the future industries and whatnot. You know, cool. I, you, you mentioned the, the, the blockchain or like distributed, you know, yeah. industry is kind of uh, interesting. Um, I uh, I also am fairly interested in that in the kind of developments with Libra and the Facebook and whatnot. Uh -huh. I think all that stuff is fascinating. I actually talked to uh, a couple of, of guests about Libra, and it's kind of like keeps coming up because I'm so interested. Do you have a like? Do you have any thoughts on Libra and and how it will you know impact business in 2020 when it's released? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I actually don't on Libra. Um, don't quote me on it. Like, I think for, for Libra, it's one of those things where I can see it used really well within the Facebook ecosystem. So things like Facebook Messenger um, could just use Libra's protocol for like all transactions eventually at some point, um, even cash ones. But outside of Facebook ecosystem, we really don't know yet. Um, and I mean, like IBM tried to do this um, with their partnership with Verge, I think it was, and a few others. Um, it's, it's, Facebook is in a good position because they have eyeballs. So like, because they already have users, um, they can probably make a much bigger stride to getting there. Um, for me, like mo most of, most of what I like focus on and like look at is in the like machine learning realm. Like I could talk for hours about self-driving cars, um, mm. but less about blockchain. Well, tell us, yeah, tell us about it. So, um, so that's an industry that interests you like the, the, the process yeah. of, of creating self-driving cars. Um, what about it interests you? And where do you see where do you see the self-driving car you know market going, and who do you see leading the market? Yeah, so I think um, for me, I've I've talked to like more than half of the auto manufacturers, and like people people tend to think that self-driving is really close and that's about to happen like ASAP. Um, in reality, it is going to take probably at least like four, five, six years um, at the very minimum. And with that, like part of the challenge is that right now. Um, for the majority of provide for of automobile providers, they have fragmented systems where the person that makes the camera is different than the person that makes like the computing unit within the car, et cetera. And like if um, the way generally like machine learning works, especially um, in something like a car, is that you need a lot of processing power in order to figure out each prediction step, which is the step where the car figures out: should I take a left here? Should I merge? What should I do? And if you need a really large amount of computing power in a car, it becomes very expensive, right? So car manufacturers are right now deciding between two, one of two things. One, which is to do all the compute on the sensor level, which means that you like basically run all your computation for each camera individually, and then do less compute for the car, like in, in the central unit. Or two, which is to bring all the data into one place and then have a large processing unit. Like one thing I think like, which will make, I think like one big innovation in the self-driving industry what I see is that like companies like DeepScale will allow us to run like these prediction steps on much cheaper and more efficient processors, like, like without using GPUs on board on a vehicle, um, do, doing these tasks with just CPUs. And I think like Tesla is really lucky in that in that way that they own their entire ecosystem, and so they can they can, they can ship changes and make, kind of do, develop new algorithms for that like much quicker than anyone else. Um, so if, if I were to guess, they probably have the best chance right now. Um, and so about Tesla, so something that has been talked about with them and other auto automakers mm -hmm. that, um, Elon has specifically said that he wants to have a fleet, you know, of robo cars. So if you own a Tesla that is self-driving, mm -hmm. you can go to work and it could go, it could work for you during the day and pick right. you up when you're done. That is what is, is that? Do you have any insight on in into that? Is that something that is that what the future looks like for all automakers? Is that Tesla specific? It's hard to know because it's you know it's only twenty nineteen. But what do you know about that type of thing? Yeah, that that's I mean that's really exciting to me, and I think that it, it wouldn't be only for one automaker. Like, I think at some point, like the technology will become democratized. Like you can't have one car that's significantly safer than the rest. Um, 
and so at that point like we, we would expect for there to be like like some algorithm or like something that like all the cars use that's shared and that like i guess people would just no longer own cars like it really doesn't make sense to own cars the real question is do people buy their cars and lease them out to others or do do just big companies just own the cars and you, you pay for use Got it. I have another question in the kind of machine learning AI realm that um, was in the, it was, this was in the news a couple of days ago. I'm just curious if you have any, you know, thoughts on it and what it means for the future. You know, OpenAI uh-huh. got a, I believe a billion dollars of investment from, uh, you know, Microsoft. Uh-huh. And that's, uh, when I saw that, when I woke up, I, I thought that was, that's big. Uh, what, yeah. I, I don't understand you know, the ecosystem well enough to understand what it actually implies? What does that mean? So do you, do you have you spent much time thinking about like OpenAI, what their role is in this ecosystem and what a billion dollars for Microsoft means you know, for OpenAI and just for, for the ecosystem? Yeah, well, the best thing about OpenAI is that they publish all of their research and like their, their real goal is to make sure that either everyone has equal access to AI or another way to phrase is that no one has unequal access to AI, right? Because like the, the biggest concern there is that one person that like, owns an, an, a general AI, for example, could then start like, like r- really becoming dangerous in the ecosystem. So to me, like the, the fact that they're funding research is incredible and a billion dollars to explore new research is kind of like, like the best that I think anyone could hope for. Um, and, and by the way, like Microsoft's um, AI team is already pretty excellent. Like we always kind of discount Microsoft as being like one of the older tech companies, but from an AI perspective, they're like actually like doing incredible work. Um, so yeah, I, I think like with, with, with open AI, like they, they really, uh, my, my only concern with them is that they're so focused on reinforcement learning um, to my knowledge that they might not actually get to a more like a newer solution like i don't i'm not convinced that reinforcement learning which is their met, like kind of methodology that they're pushing for machine learning is actually the right answer but um more money in ai research is a good thing i mean like so so far like at least with like generative text and generative models like they're probably at the front yeah, from from what I've read on the on the topic, you know, it's like they're it's it sounds like they're leading. You know, it sounds like uh, there's a company that Alphabet owns. DeepMind is doing good work uh-huh. as well. But I I would like to understand about the ecosystem more because I think AI is going to be very impactful. You know, to the world it already is, but it's only in the beginning. So cool. So what other are there any other industries that you spend any time thinking about and have any theories on anything that interests you uh, about how the future will change within these industries? Yeah. Um, one interesting one is food. So like I recently learned that Uber does this interesting thing called a cloud kitchen, which is that when you go on Uber eats, you can buy food that is actually not made in any restaurant like in the city. Right. So it's just made in a cloud kitchen, which is essentially an assembly line of people making food and then Uber drivers pick it up and deliver it to people. So like over time, Uber can, if delivery becomes more popular and cheaper to afford, then Uber can actually just make their own meals and sell them with some sort of white label or some sort of like custom branding that they have for their food. So that's A, that becomes really interesting. And B, it becomes extra interesting when you can use robotics to make the food in those cloud kitchens. 
like right now, I think like even in a regular restaurant, like there is some chance that you could use robotics to make food. Um, but people might be kind of like, might, might be kind of put off by it because they're used to other people making their food. On the other hand, on a, with a cloud kitchen, you don't even, you actually don't know what's happening. And so the cost of preparing food could go down drastically since labor is the number one input cost in land. Um, so I, that, that's exciting to me. I think like food can, would probably become more affordable um, and delivery would probably become, become more affordable. Um, Absolutely. And I think, like, there, there's like a couple of robotics companies that are working on food automation that I'm really excited about. Yeah, I remember the, the first time, I think it was the first time I went to San Francisco when I was, since I've been into tech, I don't know, this was a year ago or so. Uh -huh. It was actually at launch scale last year. Uh, for, it was uh, my first time back in San Francisco. I went uh -huh. to the Metreon uh, and uh, the Metronome, whatever it's called, and I got uh -huh. a cup of coffee from Cafe X, yep. which, you know, this this robotic arm that serves you up coffee. And uh, yep. I just, I, 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 you know, recorded it and I tweeted it and then like Jason retweeted it. And it was just like, it was like, Oh my God, like this is the coolest thing ever. And I just think it's, I just think it's uh, the beginning, like cafe X and then there's a burger company that does that. I think, exactly, I, yeah. I think it's just the beginning of automation for food and, and how good will that be for the world for bringing prices down um, to give access, like people access to food that may not be able to get access. Like it's exactly. just, there's a lot of good stuff that can happen there. Exactly. So yeah, and I actually can't think of many negative things for that one. So that's exciting. Yeah. Are there any, what is the, a, uh, here's my last question about kind of future industries. And then I want to go into companies that you think are building the future and then we'll put, put close to round it up. Uh, what is the industry that is, you, you think people should be focusing on that, that aren't mm -hmm. like this problems in an industry and there's doesn't seem to be enough companies working to solve uh, the solve a problem, even though there's so yeah. many startups, so it's hard to, it's hard to know. But what do you think? Yeah, um, I have an answer to this one, but this one is like most people would probably give you a different one because they're probably focused more on actually building products that are commercializable. To me, um, things that will actually change the world are happening in research labs right now, and need a lot of help to get to commercialization. Like we can work on things like travel companies or like food companies. And those will have like very instantaneous impacts at a marginal level, but working on things like graphene or quantum um, will have impacts that like just skip generations of computing and generations of what can happen. Like you, you, the, the concept of even doing like any machine learning task changes entirely. How you write the code changes entirely if you have quantum computing. So that's like a way for human, like the human race to really just skip a few steps, you know? So like those, those can be generation defining and that's what I think people should be focused on. Um, and because of how research is set up and funding is set up, it just doesn't happen as much as it should. Yeah, that's a great answer. I like that a lot. Um, cool. So uh, now, uh, um, I mean, you, you know, you're an early stage founder. You, you might know other early stage founders that are working on cool stuff. Like what, what mm -hmm. are some companies or, or just one company that, that is being built now that you think is going to define, you know, the future or just be a really big company and impactful company that most people may not have heard of, or most people may have already written off. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple off the top of my head and um, yeah. So, I mean, one of them, I don't actually have a name for, but I think someone will create this idea and that it will 
change how people buy things is, so we have this trend called CPG, consumer packaged goods, which people are buying things that are consumable and recurring in the mail, right? So you buy shaving razors or shampoos or whatever it might be. And right now you have to go through a different website for everything you buy. So you have to buy your coffee on one website, your razors on one website, your like skincare products on a separate website. And I think that there's going to be a central marketplace to buy all your recurring like consumer packaged goods. Uh-huh. Interesting. And it might not be Amazon. Um, obviously, Amazon will probably buy whoever it is and then mm. eventually it will be Amazon. But mm. in the intermediate term, I think it won't be Amazon. And this is like something that like, I, I know the founder of Jack.com is working on, but I think it's like a wide open gap because so many people are working on CPG companies and no one is building a central place to buy CPG. Which, by the way, also makes sense because like, the economics of CPG work only because there's no supplier uh, or sorry, no, no distributor and you're just getting like full margin. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think there's still like a value on having some centralized service for that. Uh, second one is I have a friend starting a company. I'll omit the name because I haven't asked for his permission. Sure. But he's building a robotics company around food automation where back of house um, salad making is completely automated. So he's building a robot where it can build, make, make entire salads for you um, that are then delivered to customers. And the labor cost just goes down drastically for all these salad companies that he's working with. So I'm assuming what I'm about to mention will not be the same company. And I don't, this is, I think is a bigger company. So I'm just going to mention it. There's a company yeah. in, in Phoenix. I, it might yeah. be bigger, but it's called Go Salad Go. And uh-huh. they, I don't know how they do it. But it's this is like kind of like cult of a company where you go, it's only drive through. The salads are like four bucks, like four or five bucks, and they're giant and they are really good. And the way they're branding themselves, it's very smart. It's like you drive up there, like, hey, bring your fork so we can so we can all lose the, lower the price for everyone. It's actually like kind of smart. So I would tell your friend if that's if your friend isn't the founder of that of Go Salad yeah. Go, tell them to look at Go Salad Go because they're doing something really interesting. And I'm a user, I'm a, I'm a customer, so um, nice. All, no, for, all for cheaper salads. <laughs> Sweet, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, I guess another one I wanted to mention is like the concept of like wellness and mental health is finally coming into like the mainstream and like people are finally accepting that this is a reality that we should be thinking about. Um, and like, there's a huge trend towards self-serve wellness and self-serve mental health um, for, I think, I think mostly for better, maybe for worse in some cases. And so the, the concept of that, like, I think there will be companies that enable people to kind of help themselves with panic attacks to help themselves for certain things. Um, and that to me is just exciting, like, especially because like, I, I was born in India and there's no concept of mental health in India. Like you don't go see a psychiatrist. Um, there's no such thing as anxiety or like panic attacks. Like, they just don't really exist. And if you ask your doctor about like antidepressants, they'll be like, sorry, go home. Like we just don't do those because there's no such thing as that, right? Like, and I'm making, I might be making a generalization here, but that was my experience with the Eastern um, mental health system and like the Eastern medical world, right? Uh, and so especially in cultures that are like not the US, this is a game changer because now people have um, the ability to self-serve and like help deal with these things without there being a huge stigma. Like the reason people don't want to talk about mental health, at least in India, is that you don't want to be like, I guess, dysfunctional. You don't want to be someone that is like not a regular member of society because it's seen as stigma, even though it really should not be. Um, and so all, all these new self-serve ways of like approaching mental health, I'm really excited about those. 
like it's like a topic that's near and dear to me and i think people people being more comfortable talking about it is definitely, definitely a good thing and so one application to mention there and this one i actually just want to give free marketing to um is this app called quirk if you look them up on the app store they have the most beautiful design and i think they're super duper helpful in like just helping you deal with dissonant thoughts or like basically panic attacks um they use this new methodology called cognitive behavioral therapy which basically you describe a thought of yours that is um illogical in some way you disprove that thought and then you remember that you disproved that thought so next time you have that thought you have already disproven it and you kind of understand that yes i'm being irrational here let me move on and think about something more like more positive that's very interesting that's a category of software that, that i haven't spent much time thinking about and i think it's more than necessary i think the more the more apps out there that that, mm -hmm. that you know help with mental health and mm -hmm. help with, with with just health in general is going to be a good thing so i know that i have learned a ton on on this podcast you're a wealth of knowledge i'm like impressed with the, the variety of things you know you know and that's what i love about this podcast is that talking to experts and but the thing is that they're sometimes experts in fields you don't expect them to be so thank you so much <laughs> for coming you know onto the podcast i have one last question for you before we we wrap it up so uh you you know you're you started carry Carrie is seemingly, you know, going to be the future of travel and the future of, of, of building trust, it seems like. And you're building the future, you know, like that's what you're doing every day as you work on Carrie. And there's plenty of people that are listening to this podcast that maybe want to get started building a company or a nonprofit or a mm -hmm. research product. Mm -hmm. Like they want to build the future too. So mm -hmm. what, you know, what advice, feedback, like what, what would you tell these people who want to get started but don't know the first step to make it happen? Yeah, I mean, it, I feel incredibly lucky because like it, it, you, it, there is some level of like privilege that you have to be in in order to be able to take the leap. Like for me, it was that I knew that friends would support me in using the product, giving feedback. Like in the beginning, I literally borrowed money from people in order to support this company. And knowing that I had people to borrow money from is a big privilege, right? So, but like it really comes down to believing in it enough such that you make the irrational choice to work on it and then eventually make it work right like the con the concept of like someone someone who is, is like needs something to work like basically whose back is pushed against the wall will find a way to make it work it might not be the idea that you start with but eventually like you'll find something and really like nowadays the downside of starting a company is very low um like you might be giving up a job where you make like a hundred thousand dollars a year or something along those lines. But like the, the amount of money you can raise from VCs is fairly like free flowing. You can pay yourself eventually. And the amount that you learn from being a founder is significantly more than the amount that you learn, I think, than, from, than going to school or like going to a corporate job. So, but, but yeah, I think ha having the people around you that, that are supportive like really was a big differentiator for me yeah absolutely well and yep sorry and by the way i would be ex extremely happy like to be helpful to anyone that's listening to this podcast my email is cash at carry.travel which is k-a-s-h at carry.travel 
and like we're like both me and my co-founder are always like really happy to talk to people awesome well there you have it thank you so much if, you know for that generous offer i hope if you're listening part of the way you get in the door is just by simply making the ask and, and sending the email yeah. that, that that is largely how i kind of got in the door as well so take him up on that take take kashish up on that so cool well thank you so much for coming onto the podcast as i said i learned a ton i think this might be one of the most popular episodes just based on the amount of things that we talked about so i appreciate it uh yeah th thank you for coming on man yeah thanks matt thanks for having me yeah you got it and for everyone listening thank you for tuning in and i'll talk to you all next time on the forward thinking founders podcast hope you all have a great evening morning night wherever you are in the world goodbye